Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One day, you're going to grow up, and your looks are going to fade, and you will no longer be beautiful. Your husband's going to cheat on you and leave you. And all you're going to be left with is your education and your job. So you better start thinking smart and how to be a successful person. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, you beautiful angels, and welcome to a brand new episode of Almost Adulting. Last week's episode, it was solo. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And you got to hear me cry. Today, it's not one of those episodes because I've cried enough. Today, it's all about being a bad bitch. No, it's not a boot camp. It's a little different because today I got to interview somebody who I look up to, somebody who knows how to move up in the workplace, somebody who can give you the best advice and who is better than me. (laughs) So today's guest is amazing. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Surprise. You guys have been emailing me and DMing me so many different questions for this month of being the work month, business month, all about, you know, getting promoted and how I created daddy issues, how I was able to quit my job that I no longer loved, how you deal with office bullying and all these things. So I decided let's start off with me giving you top advice based on things that I've learned throughout my career because I have been fortunate enough to come from large public accounting firm. So I got fortunate enough to work from office job to then now doing, you know, instead of a nine to five, it's like an all day type of job. So completely different things, but I'm able to then help you out with figuring out both of these types of fields in the workplace. And I think it'll be really fun. So today, before we start the episode, what do you have to look forward to? I will talk to you about how to score an interview, how to get a yes, and what to do when you get a no how to pivot that into something positive, how to work towards a promotion, what I did right before I decided to quit my job in accounting and how I scored by having a strategy first right before quitting. So I kind of had another job lined up and how to you know, be smart about those things, how to be as confident as a mediocre man in business, especially for the women out there listening, which is most of you. A lot of that stuff, it's literally going to be your four lessons to success part one. Before we get started, I'm gonna quickly tell you some things about celebrities. I know not everyone loves it, but guess what? I'm gonna soon have a pop culture show on Spotify. I'm laughing because I'm not supposed to tell you. (laughs) So we'll do all that then. But some things did happen this week. First of all, last week's episode of me crying, you guys have been so nice, so positive and so sweet. I've been loving seeing the reviews. I've been loving the DMs and I felt so loved, so understood. It felt like you guys are my best friends. And even though I'm your big sister, I felt like you were my family. And that was really nice. And I've been slowly, you know, getting back into podcasting. So all in all honesty, 
like I said, as much as I act super confident and all that, it is sometimes nice to kind of stop for a second and to notice that A, I'm making an impact, I'm making a difference, I'm helping, but also it's nice to feel appreciated and it's been hard and scary to get back into podcasting. So I'm slowly, you know, feeling good about this and okay again, because like right now it's, it's a, I, I don't even really like to go through DMs or to read comments on the videos I post. I still kind of look away because I don't want it to mess up with my mental health or my creative side. So, you know, but I'm getting there. Anyway, so another thing I want to cover last week, I was talking about how I am ready to date. I'm not picky, but I will be only picking these type of celebrity men to date. And then I post on Instagram and I kid you not, <laughs> so silly no none of those men that i said i'm available to date the 12 men that i mentioned none of them have dm'd me yet which is i mean which is honestly shocking like rude you know but that's okay they still have time maybe they haven't seen the video but i was invited by five different people who worked in this office for the for the pr company for a party a private party where jack harlow and I'm going to mispronounce how she goes by. How do you pronounce this? Sawati? Swati? Sati? Sweetie. Wow, I am stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, that one was like, come on, V. Come on. Yeah, so Jack Harlow and Sweetie, they are having a private party at Coachella this weekend and I decided to go last minute to Coachella and then yeah like five different people emailed me and they all said hey we saw your video of a Jack Harlow <laughs> that you want to climb him like a tree so we want you to go to this party a private party where he's performing so I'm like okay I can't believe we're gonna date so I don't think they're promising me that we're gonna date but it is potential that I'm gonna meet him Maybe I'll just see him perform me, but who knows? Now I'm like getting nervous because obviously it was a joke, but I'm like, maybe it wasn't. <laughs> Should we date? And then another thing that really bothered me about this is that I made a mistake. Apparently, when I said, Jack Harlow, you're very tall, would love to climb you like a tree. I wasn't aware that he's actually not that tall, which is not a big deal. Apparently, I thought he was 6'4". That's why I wrote that joke. Apparently, he's somewhere between, the internet's very confused, so I don't know the real answer. Maybe you guys can help me, but he's somewhere between 5'9", 264. <laughs> I think he's 5'10". At this point, we've come to the conclusion, Heather and I, Heather, my podcast manager, I'll sometimes mention her. So we somehow came, came to that conclusion. But what bothered me is that a lot of people were commenting, especially men who were taller, would be like, what? Jack Harler's not even that tall. Like, he's short, girl, please. And I was like, okay. You know what a lot of you people are missing about short men is that short kings make up for height in other places. How do I know this? Because my mom said that one time. And then I was like, mom, dad is shorter than you by one inch. And then she winked at me and I said, mom, this is why I go to therapy. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That literally happened. My dad is an inch shorter than my mom and apparently he has a big dick. Now we know. Hashtag daddy issues. And I'm so sorry anyone that heard this. <laughs> You will now be discussing me in this podcast in your therapy session. I apologize. Send me the bill. So yeah, short kings make up for height in other places, aka they have a big dick. A lot of the time, I believe, this is my theory, men that are 5'8 or shorter have big dicks. Men that are 5'9 and 5'10, not always. I'm not sure. It's like you can't tell. 5'11, can't tell. 
And then really tall guys like athletes, sometimes they run small down there because all the height, all the long like length went into their height. So and their long ass knees. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I think I'm all about short king and I have no problem dating a man that's shorter than me because at this point it's like just have a job and <laughs> pulsing heart and don't cheat on me. I'm not asking for much anyway. Quick stuff that happened over the weekend. I don't know if you know who Nicola Peltz is, but I'm sure her publicist wants you to know because they have not been able to shut the fuck up about her wedding that I didn't know people cared about, but maybe they did. She is a billionaire Harris, probably pronounced it wrong. And she just got married to Brooklyn Beckham, which is that part is actually really cool because he's only 23. And I'm like, damn, this 23 year old can settle down. And we're literally dating men who are like 37 years old. And they're like, I'm still finding myself. I'm just like not emotionally ready right now. And this dude is 23 getting married to a billionaire. And he actually had to write to sign a prenup, which I thought was really interesting that it wasn't the other way around. So, and Brooklyn Beckham is the son of the Beckhams. So, so yeah, they had a beautiful wedding. Really hard to see other people live my dreams. I would love to marry Nicola <laughs> as she is a billionaire heiress. So good for Brooklyn Beckham. But yeah, I think uh, all the men that are between 29 to 40 years old that every weekend they were like, oh, what's the plan this weekend? What are we getting into? And it's like, bro, go start a family. Like they should look at Brooklyn Beckham as an idea that maybe it's also time to settle down. Anyway, this one is a shocker. I don't know if you guys know this. I am obsessed with Ali Wong. I want to do stand up. She is my inspiration. She is hilarious. She has so many specials on Netflix. Apparently, Ali Wong has now recently decided to separate from her husband, Justin Hakuta, which I mispronounced his last name, so why do why do we even bother? But anyway, she has decided to separate from her husband after eight years of marriage. The split supposedly is mutual, that's what they always say, but it's actually shocking to me because literally her last special, Netflix special, was her talking about how hard it is for successful women to find a man on their same level, especially for successful comedian women. And she also talked about how much she wants to cheat on her husband, <laughs> which I thought was funny, but was kind of like dark humor. So I don't know if she actually finally figured out how to cheat on her husband. And that's why they're separating. But it is kind of wild that I'm, I'm honestly shocked. It's almost like the special was kind of a hint for the future that they were about to separate. So I guess it's kind of brutal out there. But if she can't find a partner, I will literally date her because she's so funny and I'm obsessed with her. So Ali, if you're listening, can we date? Can we be friends? Can you invite me to your next Netflix special? Can I be like you? Let me know. Next up, you guys already know this. This isn't news, but apparently Britney Spears is pregnant. Boom. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are engaged again. But apparently just because Jennifer Lopez goes back to her ex-boyfriend doesn't mean that I should as well. So <laughs> too bad I already texted my ex. <laughs> he didn't respond i'm kidding he did and then i was like no go hang out with that british guy that you're about to mention instead so i'll update you guys on that but obviously we're all super happy with britney spears and it's also because we're also happy for her because a huge part of her conservatorship was that she was 
forced to be on birth control against her will. So that's really crazy. Like, how do you even process something like that in 2022? So it is really amazing that she's pregnant again and everyone's really happy for her. And I'm also really happy for Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. I'm in shock. Like, that's really cool. We all remember the pink ring that Ben Affleck gave to J-Lo the first time he proposed. So this time around, the ring is green, which apparently is her lucky color after the famous Versace dress. And I think secretly, it's also after the color of my eyes. J-Lo, I know you're secretly a big fan of mine, and that's okay. I love that for you, and you should come on my podcast. So anyway, I should get back with my ex, I think. <laughs> That was the conclusion here, right? Oh, good times, good times, good times. Okay, so short kings have big dicks and this podcast is gonna be amazing because we're gonna talk about the four lessons to success, part one. And I'm gonna tell you about this British dude, this British guy that I'm kind of talking to that probably by next week, I will not be talking to anymore. So I don't even know why I bother telling you guys because obviously, like I said before, I'm taking a break from men, but I am going to go see Jack Harlow this weekend. So if we date, you know, manifest that for me. When you listen to this episode, know that I may meet Jack Harlow this weekend. And he may be a short king, but he may be packing. And I deserve a big dick. I've been through a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so let me tell you about, oh, fuck. Let me tell you about this British guy before we get started with the episode. Today, we're supposed to hang out. And I kind of told him my window of when I can hang out. I said, I can hang out between one to two. And then afterwards, I'm going to my doctor's office and then I'll be like kind of busy. And then I have dinner with my agents. And so he FaceTimes me and he's just like, oh, so what time is your doctor's appointment? I'm like, it's a 2.30. And he goes, do you want me to take you? And I was like, oh, that's really nice. No, 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 I'm good. And he's like, is everything okay? Why are you going to a doctor? I was like, oh, just like whatever. Yeah, everything's fine. He's just like, okay can I come, do you want me to pick you up after a doctor's appointment? I'm like, no, no, I don't want you to pick me up. And he's like, can I see you after a doctor's appointment? I was like, well, it's like an LA doctor's appointment. He's like, I'm not following. I'm like, it's like a Los Angeles, like this is like, it's a Hollywood doctor's appointment. So I don't know if you should pick me up after because, well, I don't know how to say it, but he's like, okay, I think I'm following. Are you saying, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what my face will look like afterwards. And he just <laughs> starts laughing. He's like, right. Oh, okay. And I was like, look, you know what? You're only here for a week. Then you're leaving. I don't even give a fuck anymore. I'm so over pretending to be, you know, perfect. So I'm just going to lay it out there. Okay. This takes work. <laughs> This is like, this is, I haven't even like hung out with this guy yet. I'm like this takes work, okay? And to be honest, I'm like weirdly obsessed with like my under chin. I've got lipo there before. And now I'm so obsessed with it. I feel like, can I do better? And I really want to get filler under my chin. So then um, we lose connection. So then it comes back on. I'm like, did you hear me? Then I repeat my story. And he's like, hey, by the way, I heard you the first time. I was like, oops, okay, whatever. I'm like, so yeah, I'm trying to get filler in my under chin. So I don't know. I don't, my doctor, the doctor may not do it for me because he's like, he decides what to do, but that's where I'm at. I'm trying to get filler in my chin. So I don't know what my face will look like afterwards. That's honest truth. Judge me all you want. I don't care. And he's like, I'm not judging you. And he's like, okay, so do you want to then like FaceTime me? And then you can decide whether or not you think your face is lookable or like, okay enough. Like, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're right. Like, I shouldn't even have told you. <laughs> 
And this is why guys find me super exciting when they first start talking to me. And you know what's crazy? It's always like when I first start talking to somebody, it's always when I'm the most confident because I'm able to just completely be myself. There's no insecurity. I'm not nervous. Are they going to like me? Are they not? I'm just completely myself. That's always when guys like you the most or people in general, partners will like you the most. And it's always these moments that remind me that I am fun. They remind me that I still know how to flirt and remind me that people will stick around when I'm just being myself. Because, you know, whenever you stop talking to someone else, you start to kind of question yourself and doubt your capabilities and your greatness. And then when you start talking to someone new, you kind of remind it like, oh, some people do still want to talk to me or like some people do still want to put an effort and all that. I don't know. It's nice. Anyway, so I guess I will update you and let you know if he ever contacts me again after that FaceTime conversation that was... I did not need to give him my life story, but I did because what's the point to pretend or to hide? So it is what it is. I'll update you. Anyway, next up, let's quickly cover all the questions that you have for me. I guess technically we'll start from the beginning. As you guys know, I used to be an accountant. I was an accountant for a large public accounting firm. But I want you to know that a lot of times people think that you're just meant to know exactly what you're going to do with your life. And that's not the case at all. I'm one of those people. For example, in school, I was never good in school. I never cared for school. And because my sister was just so perfect and so much better than me and everything, my dad made sure to constantly remind me of that. It made me want to do the opposite. It made me want to rebel, as you call it, the younger sibling syndrome. So I just want to rebel. So just because she cares so much about school and my dad made me feel so stupid compared to my sister i was like what's the point to even bother so i just didn't bother because he thought his way of encouraging me was by putting me down because that is the immigrant way and eastern european way i don't know what other cultures i'm sure there's other cultures like that but that was his way that he thought it would help me and instead it did the opposite i just didn't want to deal with it at all so in school i was terrible in most subjects except math math was my only escape and the problem in a lot of schools is that especially back now, I feel like everyone, you self-diagnose yourself on TikTok. But back then, there wasn't any much help when it came to better understanding children and what they're good at. It was more like, if you're not good at, with certain book stuff, you're stupid. And because I wasn't fully diagnosed when I was younger with whatever learning disabilities I may have, I just constantly felt really stupid. Forget the fact that English was my third language and I came straight to high school to ninth grade in the US and that was already complicated. You know, my sister didn't struggle as much as me. I struggled a lot in history and English in those classes. So for me, math was my escape. It felt like a puzzle. For whatever reason, I was just able to just get it. And I, I was even AP classes at a young age in AP math. And I started tutoring math in 10th grade. It was my escape and the only way I felt somewhat smart because every other class, I felt like the dumbest in the room. I would hate to raise my hand I never wanted to read out loud. And the reason I'm mentioning these things is because now public speaking, reading, speak, like literally dealing with presenting myself is my job. But in high school, I didn't like it. I would stutter. I would mumble my words. I would get anxiety when I opened the book and it, I was called on to speak. I just assumed I would fail. And then I did. Because a lot of times it's what you think. If you think, then you are. So if you think you can't, then you can't. And if you think you can, then you can. And that's kind of how life is in general. 
So I just think it's kind of funny how when I got older, my work was writing blogs and talking about all these things, like talking about dating and talking about relationships and all that, when in reality, I didn't grow up with that stuff and, you know, understanding what love is or having touch with my family or any of that, like it's, it was completely the opposite, but I pursued it. And my point is right now is I'm trying to show you how your life and your fate is not set in stone. You do have a choice, whether you believe it or not. So yeah, in school, I was so bad in school except math that while I continued to tutor people, I never showed up to my other classes. So senior year of high school, the second semester when everyone else was able to leave after lunch as seniors, if you guys remember that in high school, I was not able to. Not only did I have to take like six or seven classes in high school, I would then have to go to night school at uh, some community college just in order to be able to graduate high school that year. Like that's how bad I was in school. And after that, I didn't even want to go to college, but luckily my dad made me and I went to Cal State Northridge. It was the only place that we we applied for me. My dad just assumed I was a failure. I actually wanted to go to community college and just do two years in community college. But my dad was like, I don't trust you that you're even going to you know, do that because then you have to get a really, really good grades in order to be able to transfer. He's like, I don't trust you, so let's just stick to CSUN. And that's what we did. And when I went to CSUN, I changed my major a million times in freshman year. I could not decide. I, I was a business real estate, business communication, all the different business type of things. You know, I didn't take school seriously, but I was forced to keep going. So then in college, I slowly started to take life more seriously when I wanted to be more like my sister and I want to be an attorney. So here's going to be the first example. So I started studying business law undergrad and I did graduate in three years in two with two degrees, but I it didn't start that way for me. Like it took me a while to get there. But here's already going to be your first example of how to get something you want. And that is this. So. Towards the end of my college years, I needed to get an internship and I somehow managed to get an email from the district attorney because I actually interned for the DA's office. I did for hardcore gang division. I did, I was an intern for the hardcore gang division and for major crimes when Camilla Harris was actually working in major crimes, which I know is so random and I probably mispronounced her name. So I actually know her, <laughs> very random again, <laughs> but anyway, If you guys are not aware, it's very hard to get an internship at the district attorney's office. Not only is it very hard, only graduate students can get it. Kids in law school can can get it. No one undergrad can actually get an internship there. So if you're thinking, oh, you, you must have had connections, blah, blah. No, not only did I, am I an immigrant? I had no connections. I didn't know anyone and I grew up poor. So I want you to know that I had to wing it just like everyone else and everything in my life I've always had to work really hard for and yes I am attractive thank god god knew I'm gonna have the worst personality so you have to give me some looks but because my personality is so difficult and I'm such I have such masculine energy I never grew up with you know being overly feminine with men for them to try to give me what I want I would instead prefer to just work hard for it because uh if you listen to one of my old episodes Here's what my dad told me. He sat me down one day and he said, Violetta, when you grow up, your looks are going to fade and you will no longer be beautiful. Then your husband is going to cheat on you and he's going to leave you and he's going to leave you with nothing. So all you will have 
is your education and your career. So you better think smart and you better start now. I was 11. <laughs> so you really tried to instill that in me since like a super young age. So that was my dad's advice. And it kind of as during university time, it started to stick with me. So I somehow managed to get, I don't know how I even got a district attorney's email, but I somehow managed to get some email and I emailed him that I'm applying for an internship. And he said, of course, come in for an interview. Somehow, I don't know what I did in the email. He didn't catch the fact that I'm not in, in law school, that I'm an undergrad. And when I came to the interview, the interview was going well until I mentioned that I'm at CSUN undergrad school. And he goes, oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but we don't take undergraduates. We only take kids in law school. I'm so sorry for wasting your time. And as I got up and I was about to walk out, I realized that this is gonna be my only chance to showcase myself. And this is where you come in and you listen and how to get something that you want. Right away, my brain thought, and I said, okay, he has something I want which is an internship. So instead of begging and pleading, think V, what can you give this man that he may want from you? Not my vagina. <laughs> He's married and this is not how we get things done. So in my brain, I realized that the way I can get him to say yes is by offering him something I think he may want. So this is your number one lesson right now, how to get a yes, one of the ways to get a yes. So right away, I realized the kids that come here from prestigious law schools are probably spoiled brats, a lot of them. Probably their parents help them out. I'm not saying everyone's like that. My sister went to law school. She's not like that. But they may think they're too good for certain things. That kind of happens when you get to law school and you finally score an internship. You're, you're tired from all the, the, you know, the studying and you just want to get by. So once that clicked in my head, I realized I did have something to offer him in order to get a yes. So I said, wait. Before you send me out, I want you to know that unlike these other kids, I have all the time in the world to come in and spend as many hours here as possible because I don't have to, to go home and study through second year of law school and because you have no idea how long, how much they study for and the books that they read. And I said, and I will get you coffee. I will make copies for me for you. I know these kids think they're too good for that. I'm not too good for anything. I have no ego. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. If you want me to spend more hours here, I will. Whatever you want from me, I will be your assistant. I will be your executive assistant, your personal assistant, whatever you need. You want me to take care of your kids? I'll do it. And then he looked at me and he was just like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. You got it. You got the internship. I like, I like what I hear from you and you clearly know how to negotiate. So let's do it. And I got the internship. And that was kind of first step for me to realize that even when you hear no, it may not be a solid no. So my second lesson here is that when you hear a no, don't be discouraged. There's a few ways you can go from here. Number one, try to get a yes by asking for something less. So the way I got a yes was by figuring out why, what this person in front of me needed from me. That's how I knew they would say yes. Here's an example. As in the, when I was an accountant and I was ready to quit my job and become daddy issues full time. And I'll tell the story in another podcast because I don't think I'll even get here there, but a part two podcast for the solo episode. When I was ready to quit my job as an accountant, I needed something that would tell me that I'm going to be okay and able, in order to pay my rent. Unlike a lot of other influencers that I know, I didn't have a cushion to sit on that I knew my parents would pay my rent. If I didn't have a job, then I would be homeless. So 
knowing that, I knew I had to kind of set my life up in order to be able to quit my accounting job and to still be okay to pursue my new path, which was daddy issues and my meme account. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So I remember that somebody reached out to me, a dating app called Bumble. They were nobodies when they first reached out to me and they wanted to do just one job with me. And I kind of had a thought and I realized that what if I convince them to give me more and I'll do more for them and they are my way out. So instead of just doing one or two jobs with them in order for me to secure the rest of the couple of months to quit my job as an accountant, I said, hey guys, I created a marketing plan for you. I would love it if you paid me this amount of money and here's why. And then I, I showed them, cause I was like, what does Bumble really want? What can I offer Bumble that no one else has offered right now? And I realized what did Bumble first want when they first started? Bumble creator was the ex-girlfriend of the creator of Tinder and she fucking hated that guy. She sued him. So I said, what would she want more than anything in the world? Of course, she would want to be bigger than Tinder to kind of be like, fuck you. And I said, I will help you guys become bigger than Tinder. It would be the female dating app. We will stand out and Tinder will be nothing compared to how big we will be. And I would want a 12 month partnership with you guys. And these are the marketing plans I would create every month. So I really sat down, thought it all. And they couldn't say no to me because of what I presented in front of them. And that's how I got my yes. And that's how I was able to quit my job as an accountant. And in the next episode, I'll explain to you why I even decided you know, to quit my job for those who don't know, but that's how you get a yes. You figure out what the other person needs from you. You don't go to somebody and you say, can you, can you give me this and this and this? They'll be like, no, fuck off. But if you're like, this is what I can give you in return for you doing this for me, then they'll be like, okay, then you know what? We'll consider it. That's one way to get a yes. Another way to get a yes is a little different when you have nothing to offer the other person and it's more of a favor, but you're not sure if they're gonna say yes. Well, you do. First, you ask for something super extreme that you know they'll say no. And once they say no to that, then you ask for something lesser, the real thing you actually wanted from them. That means if I come to you, to, let's say, I can't really think of a, something, but so let's pretend money. Let's pretend I have a really good relationship with the person I'm approaching and they're rich. And I go, hey, can I borrow $50,000 to refinance my house? I know they're gonna say no, cause I'm gonna be like, how can I trust you're gonna pay me back or whatever. So I ask for the 50,000, they're gonna say no. And I say, okay, fine. Then how about 15,000? 
And the minute I say a much lesser number, they're going to be in a weird way more inclined to agree to the lesser number. Because at this point, they kind of feel bad that they said no. And now, now they feel like they are coming in the middle and that they're still somewhat winning when in reality you were never planning on getting 50,000 from them you always knew you wanted the 15,000 it was just your way of getting the 15,000 so those are your two ways of getting a yes lesson one with me okay now lesson two with me about what happens when you get a no a lot of people get discouraged super fast because you assume it has something to do with you it doesn't when people say no for example when the district attorney guy attorney told me no it wasn't because i wasn't skilled enough it wasn't because i i went to whatever state university i could have thought that if i allowed my ego to come in the way i would have thought it had something to do with me i would have been hard on myself oh it's because i go to csuns because i don't go to ucla or like harvard but in reality it had nothing to do with me i could have made it about myself but i chose not to instead when you get a no understand the one it may have nothing, 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the opportunity and the timing and everything. He said no to me because I'm an undergrad and he only took law students. That's A. So a lot of times if you hear a no, why don't you take a step back and say, hey, sir, they just rejected me. Do you mind actually letting me know why you said no? I bet you, you'd be surprised how many times actually has nothing to do with you. They'll be like, well, we, we actually don't have the budget right now. Or, well, we're going with a more this type of person for the job than what you currently have. Or you're overskilled or you're underskilled, but now you're aware and you know what the areas to work on. Trust me. I, okay, here's, a, here's an example. I recently wanted to do an amazing birthday trip for my mother in Vegas. And I reached out to a hotel to, um, to, to sponsor me, to give me like a free room, to show my mom how cool my lifestyle can be because my mom was, you know, grew up growing up poor she obviously doesn't get to benefit through some of the things I get to benefit now doing what I do and I, I just want to show her that I'm cool and it was her birthday and you know I just wanted to make her happy so first the hotel said yes and then they came back and they said actually we talked to our attorneys and they rejected the deal we can't move forward with you I got really butthurt and I was going to take it personally and then I said V take away your remove your ego remove your ego right now and I said completely understand do you mind letting me know is this a no forever or is it a no for now like if i come back to you in a month from now will we be able to work together do you mind letting me know why you said no to me and he said well are you sure you want to hear and i said 100 percent." and he said well the attorneys right now saw something on your instagram they didn't like and they didn't think goes well with our brand and that's why they said no and i said okay amazing it doesn't offend me at all. Thank you so much for letting me know. I have a solution. And he said, what? And I go, can I come back to you a month from now? And when I come back from you a month from now, can you just tell me what you don't like on my profile? I will archive it. I will remove it. And then you can bring up the same deal to those attorneys. And he said, yeah, that will work. And I said, amazing. So you see, I got a no, but I changed that no to a maybe. And then maybe next month there'll be a yes. And then you'll see me at that hotel and then you'll know which hotel I'm talking about because I don't want to call them out. I mean, they didn't do anything wrong, but it's a really cool, amazing, like beautiful hotel in Vegas. But I remove my ego. So here's your lesson when you hear a no. Remove your ego. One, no, it's not about you. Two, if you're really curious, ask. Ask what it is. What can you change or why you didn't get it? I'm telling you, you'll feel better, especially if your ego is not involved. 
And then number three, when you hear a no, understand that maybe it just wasn't for you. All it means is that you have to kind of pivot your path to something else. Here's another example. After university, I wanted to be an attorney just like my sister and I applied to Pepperdine Law School like my sister. I really thought I had it in me even though I did whatever on the LSATs. That's an exam that you take uh, in order to get into law school. I still thought I could get in. Then I got put on the waiting list and then they rejected me and I was really upset. And then they said, listen, you do have a sister that goes to our university and we weren't aware of it. So that's why we you know, rejected you. But we may reconsider if you apply again next year. And instead of being super heartbroken and feeling stupid and not good enough and all those emotions that I always felt in high school, I realized that maybe it's my time to wake up. If I wasn't good in English class, if I wasn't good in history class, if I hate reading, you know, so many books about information that I don't give a shit about, then who am I doing this for? Oh, it's because I want to feel smart. Oh, because I want to be just like my sister. Oh, for who? Oh, for my dad. Oh, okay. So that rejection helped me realize that maybe law school is not for me. So that rejection was actually a positive thing because I was able to pivot and be like, oh, I also have a degree in accounting. I can actually just pursue accounting. I love math. I love numbers. I have nothing to prove anymore except to myself. So I pivoted and I pursued my accounting degree. I mean, my accounting career. At this point, as usual, it was too late for me to get into the top four accounting firms at that point. No one wanted to hire me because I wasn't fresh out of college anymore because I wasted time having law internships and things like that. So I had to start from beginning again, even though I had an accounting degree. I took extra classes at a community college and I got a job as a bookkeeper. I got a mentor at that job and I continued and I had to work. I worked for three months before getting a promotion as an accountant at that firm. I worked for that firm for another, I think like six months or something like that before I started applying again at large public accounting firms. The six months before that didn't even look at me. But I remember one of the people who didn't look at me at these like job conferences for accounting, big accounting firms, when they rejected me, before they rejected me, I said, hey, what do I need to do to get a yes from firms like this? And they told me, because you're already out of college for a good amount of time, you were pursuing something else, it would have to be job experience. And I said, okay, I'll be back in six months. And that's what it was. Six months later, I started applying again. This time I actually got interviews, but I said, okay, that's not enough. Because here's the next lesson, you guys. How to perfect an interview. <laughs> so now I finally get to even enter, exist in the same room as all these super, super, super smart kids who have their amazing accounting degrees, even though my accounting degree is from CSUN, that is really good, but we were just in different areas in our lives and that's okay. So now I, I am in a large public, in a big public accounting firm doing an interview, but I still may not get it because now I'm competing against kids who are fresh out of university and they're already taking their CPA exams. There's four and I haven't taken them yet because your job will pay for it if you just wait and they're very expensive. So that's kind of what happens when you go to a large public accounting firm, you have to work like 70 hours a week. And at the same time, you have to study for your CPA exams, which have a 40% passing rate. Their passing rate is lower than you are than taking the bar. <laughs> like that's how crazy it is. 
Because when you take your CPA exams, each one of them, there's four. So each one of them, you're competing against your classmates. So if everyone else in the room that I took the exam with gets a 90 and I get 89, then I would fail the exam. It's pretty wild. It's, It's really crazy. But not shockingly enough, on my tax exam, I got one of the highest scores. So always good enough. That's what's up. Uh, But my business law exam, I failed and I had to take twice. (laughs) That's the truth. Um, I took two out of four exams before I quit my job and became daddy issues. But that's for next time. So anyway, so here is my third lesson, how to perfect an interview. So I knew I had to stand out because I was a little bit less than the other kids I was competing against. So what I did was I studied the people who were interviewing me. I did as much research as possible about each one of them and I memorized everything about their life. So when I came into the interview, I allowed them to ask me a few questions about me, but then I somehow connected it. So let's say he, one of the guys was like, so why do you want this job, blah, blah. And I was like, well, actually, I'm so passionate about robots and I noticed that you were working, and by the way, I'm, I'm obviously making this up. <laughs> this is just like, obviously it wasn't a robot conversation, but I was like, this is just an example. So I said, it's because I'm so passionate about robots. And as I recall, from 2003 to 2005, you were, you were in the San Francisco robot campaign working on that accounting background. And that really inspired me to then wanna apply here. Like some shit like that. So as I was doing that, one of the partners there that was interviewing me was so impressed. And then the more I talked, the more I was just completely knowledgeable about their degrees, what they're up to, to the point that in the end, they started talking more than me. So that's your lesson when it comes to interviews. Number one, know who's interviewing you. Know how to read the room. Because when you know who's asking you the questions, you know how to act, you know how to dress. And this is going to sound really sexist or whatever, but it's a fucking real world and not everyone is as sensitive as nowadays, but this is going to be the truth. Till this day now, if I'm being interviewed by men for whatever I'm doing, I may have a softer voice when I speak. I may come off a little bit more feminine, less aggressive. I may dress a little sexier, not revealing, but something a little tighter. I'll probably wear makeup. When I have women interviewing me, depends what type of women, I may dress a little differently. I may be more covered up. I may be more aggressive to match the energy of the woman interviewing me or more feminine. It's so important. And people need to be more honest about these conversations instead of caring about other people's feelings. This is how you get the job. So one, you read the room, figure out who's interviewing you. Two, study them. When you tell somebody about themselves, they're gonna like you more. When you allow someone else to speak about themselves, they're gonna love how, like, why do you think sometimes people are drawn to other people? You're like, oh my God, I just love talking to you because that person didn't realize they love talking to you because they were able to talk about themselves the whole time. So it's the same thing. Allow them to be the star of the show. They'll think you're the most fascinating person in the world without realizing that you didn't actually speak about anything. It was just them talking about how great they are. And usually bosses love talking about how great they are. I mean, most people do. So hype these people up. Tell them they're the reason you're there. And then know everything about them and let them speak. They will leave that room thinking they just had the best interview with you and that you are so smart without realizing that you never said a word. So that's the second thing, or maybe the third thing. So it's like read the room, study them, and allow them to talk about themselves. And let me tell you how that worked out for me. I got the job and not only did I get the job, 
Right before my interview, they hired someone else for that job that I was applying for. They just took the interview because they had to instead of making me go home. But after the interview finished, one of the partners was so impressed with me, he said, I want to give her a job here. So since the other job is taken and I feel like she's too good for it, she's too smart for that position anyway, we're going to create a new position for her. So the big public accounting firm that didn't look at me six months prior to this has now decided to create a new position just for me in order for me to take a job at that firm. Boom. And again, no connections, no money, no nothing, but education, work experience, and trying to be smarter than the people I'm competing with. Knowing my competition, understanding who my competition is, and understanding who the people who are interviewing me are, understanding the room. Obviously, once you get the job, you also actually have to show up and you actually have to put in the skill that you promised you're going to have. That's another thing. That's another story. But yeah, that's that. I mean, I hope that kind of gives you an idea and encouraging. And I guess before we wrap up this short episode, because I'm still dying to know how you guys feel about me giving you these pep talks via solo episode and kind of based on my own experience, I will wrap this up with with this after getting a job and all of that how do you get a promotion so this is your last trainee for today so working towards a promotion research shows especially in big offices is that men get promoted based on potential and women get promoted based on past experience is it fair no it's not but guess what it's still the case a lot of the time whether or not people want to be honest about this or not being aware of this type of thing It means that a male that I'm competing with, especially public accounting or in a large law firm, places like that, they may be looked at faster than me. Once I realized that type of research and I knew what I was working with, I decided to come into my partner's office, one of my, we call them partners. That's what it means. There's like a ton of partners in public accounting in the offices and it's like the top people because it's a partnership because most accounting firms are like an LLC partnership or LLP. So I came into the office and I said, I was really scared to ask for a promotion. It's never easy. But one time my partner was also my mentor taught me that if you want something, you have to ask whether or not it makes you uncomfortable. You have to just fucking say it. And he was right, because what's the worst thing that can happen? I'll get rejected. Who the fuck cares? Grow up. (laughs) Cry about later, which is what I would do in the bathroom. So that's one thing we'll discuss on part two of this episode, how to deal with rejection. So once he taught me that I should always ask for what I want, even if I get a no, and now you guys know what to do when you get a no, because that was like lesson two, (laughs) I came in and I decided, hey, I would like a promotion. Did I get a promotion just because I asked for it? No, I didn't. But guess what happened? Once I said and I asked for what I wanted, this was time for then for my partner or the person I was asking from to kind of figure out, number one, Can they ever offer me what I just asked? If the answer was no, you'll never get a promotion. Then of course I would know that my talents are no longer needed in this firm and I need to leave. Just like if you want to be official with your boyfriend or partner and they say no ever, then you kind of know this isn't for you. So the first thing I knew is that, can I get a promotion? Oh, not today, but someday. Okay, good to know. Number two, when I asked for a promotion, what happened? Now my partner knew that I'm interested in a promotion. Now that he was aware of that, he said, okay, now that we know, let's work towards the steps of what you need to do 
in order to get that promotion. So you see, all of that was very helpful. And of course, I came in and I was like, focus on my potential. Don't focus on my past experience. It's because I'm a woman. I just know it. <laughs> and he was like, you can't talk like this without HR being present. <laughs> it's like a thing, public accounting firms. But, you know, it helped. And that's how I was also able to stand out around my other teammates, because a lot of them were too scared to show up into the office and to ask. And yes, maybe it wasn't a man. And yes, maybe I didn't have my connections, but I asked. And that already made me one step forward than a lot of the other females who were working with me, who were too scared to ask for something that they wanted. Because as women, a lot of us were taught to kind of to be more polite, to not curse, to only speak when we're spoken to. The fairy tales, wait for the man to rescue you. That's, that's just how it was when I was growing up. So it kind of changes things. You kind of start to learn as you get older, like, oh, I can still be feminine and ask for what I want. I can also be masculine if I want to. But you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make you any less of a woman or a little, any less feminine if you speak up and say what you want, just like a man would in the work office. I learned pretty early on that I needed to start to become as confident as any other mediocre man that works at this company that thinks they are better than they really are. Even when it comes to looks, research shows that women believe that they're not as good looking as they really are. So when women look in the mirror, they think they are less attractive than what everyone else sees. And research shows that men believe to be better looking than what everyone else around them thinks they are. It's pretty wild, but it kind of just shows you the differences. It's kind of like when you tell a woman, oh, you're so pretty, you're doing this. And the woman would be like, oh my God, no, I don't know. Like, oh, stop. No, no way. And then you'd be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I guess you're kind of fucking ugly. Never mind. Forget I said anything. <laughs> like, whatever. You know, versus you tell a man something a lot of the time. And this is obviously very black and white the way I'm speaking. There's always going to be like, well, no, my cousin. And that's cool. Great for your cousin. Obviously, I don't know everyone's personal experiences. I'm talking as vague as possible by trying to give advice. So it's whoever can catch my advice, whoever needs this advice, this is for them. If you disagree with it, then the advice is not for you and that's also okay. I cannot have the same opinion as the rest of the world. This is not Russia and it's not communism. So just let me be. <laughs> anyway, the point is that with men, a lot of time they tend to be like, oh, you're so great. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm killing it right now. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you are. So that's what it needs to be. You have to be more confident in yourselves because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. So if I'm telling you you're doing a good work and you say I'm doing whatever, then you're like, yeah, bitch, you're right. You're doing whatever. Never mind. But if I say you're doing a great job and you're like, you know what? I really am. I love what I do and I'm so proud of my work. Then it's like amazing. Great. So that's another thing we'll cover in part two, how I started to use this advice and use it in my life and how I was able to start getting jobs by faking it and pretending to be as confident as a mediocre man till I started to believe in myself and my capabilities. So hopefully all this kind of helps you out. Let me know what you think of this episode. I love you guys. Keep killing it. Obviously DM me if you have any questions in your current work, um, work field, anything else you want to know. I can't wait to help you out and we can discuss it in part two. Kisses, have a beautiful day. You better work, bitch.